Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And tonight's show is going to be very timely and important to you. First of all, the main topic is about Tubishvat, about the different fruits and uh, the things that we need to do if we can eat it without any preparation, ones that are basically safe ones we may have to do something. That's the, the main topic tonight. But there are a few more points that I want to bring up. If I get a chance, I'll also get in a little bit to Bishalakum. I don't know how, how much time we're going to have. But before anything else, I want to start with a uh, with, with an announcement um, that, that's very, very important. I don't want... I, I, I caught a little bit here because there was a... Uh, there's, there's a w- website, there was a video, the video's out there, and a lot of people saw it, a lot of people know about it, but it bothers me a little bit because it it, it makes, uh, it, it discusses particular names of companies, and my style is to not to, uh, to be very careful about the Lushen Har aspect, even when you're doing a mitzvah, be very, very careful about it, because it's... It's much worse than we think, and much harder than we realize to be able to be Nizar and Lashon Hara. There is a, a certain hefkeris today where people feel that uh, if it's right, I'm going to do it, and it doesn't matter who gets hurt. And maybe that's true that you have to do something, but the question of how you do it, and is it done with what we call Das Torah, or is it just, you know, I feel, I'm sure, I, I, I have to. Those kind of things uh, lead people into very bad situations. So I prefer not to really discuss the, the details, but there is a video. And uh, let me tell you about the video and what's, what, it, what it means to us. And I was just in the middle of this whole thing because of this gentleman, this Rabbi Shachter, Zavram Shachter, who I'm, I'm working with a little bit on the, on the story and trying to develop his organization a bit. He has this organization called TAP. We had it last week. Talked about TAP. That's a, the Tefillin Awareness Program. And he goes to shuls and yeshivas. And they talk about, uh, they, they check people's Tefillin. Make sure that they're put on properly. They examine the tefillin. They tell somebody if he needs new, if he needs any work done on his tefillin. Whatever could be done there at the program is done there. Whatever has to go into a sofa for an hour or two, or for overnight, or for longer, that's not something they're going to take care of there. But you ha- they'll tell you exactly what the tefillin has to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's it's an absolute necessity. By the way, I'm going to share with you a figure. I I cringe every time that I think of this figure. Rabbi Shachter, who's been doing this for 12 years, he's seen 30,000 people in 600 sites that they've gone to over 12 years. He told me that he's convinced that the number is that one out of 20 people are not Beyonce, the tefillin that they're wearing, from the people that he saw. That means that 30,000 people, he's saying that one and a half thousand were not Yotze that tefillin. Not that day, not the day before, not the day afterwards, unless they made the corrections that were done at that program. He claims about 1,500 were not being Yotze, one out of 20. 
got a minion with uh, 100 people in it. A minion, 60 people. That means a couple of those people are not being yoted at tefillin at all. It, it's off completely. Not not as better, it could be, no, they're not Yotze. That's what his claim is. You know, I can't, we can't, we can't validate it. It's something that he's sort of kept records of it uh, along the way. And he has a pretty good stay about it. Very conservative, by the way. I know him. He doesn't uh, shoot out numbers. Really does not shoot out numbers. He, ha- he has a clear idea of exactly what he's been doing. It's scary. One out of 20 people. But then the other number that he said, was absolutely devastating. What's the other number? He said, most of the people that they meet, and I'm going to say that word again, most of the people that come to them at these programs, in shuls and yeshivas, where he checks the tefillin. Now, he personally, actually, he's not a cipher. The cipher checked the tefillin. And he knows how to put bounce on his head, fix the knot, but really more than that, he doesn't know. I think. Anyway, so he said that most of the people who come need an adjustment on the tefillin. Need the, maybe the placement on the head. Some, maybe they're not. Something needs to be done. They may be out say other times, but when they showed it to us, we, we went through it, most of the people need a correction. They may have been yotze. It was only one out of 20, he said, we're not Yotze yet ever. Most people need that phone checked. That's it, that's it, you hear it. If you don't believe it, some, whenever you see one of those programs, go. Try it out. See if it didn't happen, that you, your feeling got corrected. Let us know if you, uh, I'd be happy to find out that uh, I sent some people to one of those programs. We're trying to develop now something more, but I'll talk about it if we ever get there. We have, a, we have a grand plan with he and I together. <laughs> let's see if it, let's see if it works. Anyway, the scary video is about mezuzahs. And if you saw the video, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't see it, and you want to see it, you could see it. But I must tell you in advance that there's lush and horror because they mention the names of the stores that are selling the mezuzahs that are not kosher. They mentioning the names of the stores. That, I don't know if you're allowed to do it. I didn't consult, consult anybody. Maybe he did consult somebody. But the stores that they mention, which you can't go to, to buy tefillin, it's by Mrs. I'm sorry, unless they've corrected it. And it's the cheapest ones they're talking about. We're not talking about expensive ones. Probably expensive ones are all good. But the, uh, the cheaper ones, which everyone's trying to get in the $20, $30 zone, you know, it's uh, about $34.95 is the cheapest one. And that's the that's the danger area. Uh, so he was he, uh, the the video does that. Uh, they studied. They bought they bought eighty mezuzahs and checked them, and uh, and they mentioned how each one scored. It's a little bit scary, you know, to have that done without anybody knowing about it. But all right, that's what happened. And uh, this the 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 result was that of the stores that they checked, they checked eight stores. And of the eight stores, only one store had all of them kosher. Only one store, and there were two Seifram, and they checked all of them, all ten. Again, ten. there were eight stores and ten mezuzahs per store, and only one store got a ten out of ten 
good. All the others fail terribly. That mean, and we see, they show you that the psulim, it's not like the saying, you know, they flaunt. They show you the psulim. They show you actually what they had. And it's scary. I mean, I I know very, very little about uh, about mezuzahs. I mean, I, I've also, you know, taken a lot of mezuzahs to people, help people out with mezuzahs. But still in all, I can't really tell you if it's if it's kosher or not. And these people, uh, uh, these soifrim, you know, they circle the the mistakes. You know, we, that's that's what you do with the with the mezuzahs, but if it's puzzle, whatever. And they circled it, and they sh- you see terrible things, terrible. And that's what a cheap mezuzah is. They're not up to. I mean, it's funny to talk about thirty four ninety five when we're not because when I first started out and in the whole, I don't know whatever I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things was in the area of Tefillin Mezuz. And I, I remember the Vada Stam coming here to New York and, and retraining us because until that time, we, everyone was using $2 mezuzahs. A mezuzah cost $2. It was that little flat one. I don't know if you ever saw them. People who were, who were young don't know about this at all. But there was a little, a little mezuzah, and the mezuzah case is very thin and flat. And they squished the mezuzah in there. That probably did it on most of them anyway. Cracked them up. But eventually, uh, when they took them out and looked at them, they, they, they were cheap mezuzahs, and they weren't, they weren't Yotze. And that's what people were using. In the millions of them. I mean, everyone was using that. I mean, some people got 10 or $11 ones, which were, wow, that was good. But the $2 ones... We're no good. Now we have the same thing, only it's thirty-four ninety-five is is the ones that are no good that anymore. You yes, you could find such kosher ones, but you have to you have to have a very reliable company that's selling it to you from people who have checked it with a real siphon, not just bought them uh on the market. So anyway, I just uh, since I got to that point about mentioning them as I just gotta tell you, I spoke about I think I spoke about it last week. That you can buy on the on the line, and I know just type go to Amazon and you'll type in mezuzah, or and you'll get these thirty four ninety five mezuzahs, which I, I don't know if anyone ever checked them, checked them after they've been written, and then you can buy tefillin for one hundred and fifty seven dollars, not for one little piece of it, the whole set, and for for one sixty four ninety five, they sell you with. The tefillin zekel, with the with the with the case. I mean, with the bag. So you have the whole thing for the bar mitzvah boy for one hundred and fifty-seven or one hundred and sixty-five dollars, and they're probably all puzzle. I mean, my guess is they're puzzle. Now, Carl, you'll do a little arithmetic with you. If the mezuzah is thirty-four dollars, thirty-five dollars. Now, the mezuzah is just two of the partios. There are four parshas in the yad and four parshas in the head. So that the parshios alone should be costing you about, with their cheap, 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 it should be costing you $140. Two times 35 plus two times 35, that's $140. And the tefillin, the actual box of tefillin, they got to cost approximately equal to what it, it takes to write the film. It's got to, it can't be 
that it costs you ten dollars or twenty dollars to get a, get the two kitsitsos of the tefillin and also the ritsuos. I mean, we want to show them. We pay about fifty dollars for for ritsuos. So if you're paying fifty dollars for ritsuos, and we pay you know three, four, five hundred dollars, the cheapest bottom, and then then and then the and then the mezuzas. I mean, then then the the partios inside. I mean, how could you do that for one hundred and sixty-five dollars with the bag thrown in? <laughs> that's that's that, that's the ice in the cake. I wonder if they put your name on it, and what happens if you have a lot of ICS? I don't know that part. I don't know, but still, in all, just the thought that people are buying this, thinking that it's got to be responsible. Listen, they bought it on Amazon. This is maybe this 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 uh they have coverage, you know, the the replacement value. But how can people go like this? That's that's what's happening, and uh, it's it's a very tragic story. But I'm not going to talk more about it. You have a chance to look at that that at that video. It's mind-boggling, literally mind-boggling, and it just to me like going back deja vu. I feel like I'm back uh, 40 years ago, uh, maybe more than a little more than 40 years ago when when uh, the Vav Mishmar Stam came to America and told everybody. You don't know what you're doing. You're not Yotzei. We couldn't believe it. And yet, and then from then on, you only got something that had the Vad HaMishmeristam stamp on the back. Today we have Baruch Hashem, good cipher, and things are checked, etc., etc., fine, wonderful. But this is going on. Seven out of eight stores flung the test. Okay? What can I tell you? So now I'm going to begin today's show. Let me tell you the parts that we do understand and the parts we don't understand. First, I'm going to deal with the easy part. I'm going to talk about what Rabbi David Goldstein gave out last year as his recommended list of things that don't need anything at all. The the nuts and the vegetables and the fruit that don't need anything done to it. It's not a big list. You know, they take a couple minutes, let's say, to read it. I want to zero in on a couple of them. But just to be Yotze, I'm going to read the ones that he says are clean fruits. I think we could skip the vegetables for today, even though it's important, but uh, the fruits we're going to talk about, and maybe the nuts too. So these are the ones that he says are clean fruit. Apple, apricot, fresh apricot, avocado, banana, cantaloupe, Cherries, coconut, cranberries, esrog, grapefruit, honeydew, kiwi, lemon, mango, nectarine, orange, papaya, passion fruit, peach, pear, pitaya. That's a that's what we call dragon fruit. It's like a cactus. Plum, pomegranate, pomelo, tangerine, and watermelon. That's it in the fruit area. That sounded not so bad for the fruits, right? Now, here's what I didn't read to you. This is very troublesome to me, and it's very important for us because our people do not know what I'm talking about. Does anybody out there know what a scale is? I don't mean to weigh yourself. A scale on a fruit or vegetable. The scale is a little bug that's covered over by a scale-like substance. And underneath that scale-like substance is a bug. And when you cut 
an orange, a this or that, uh, an esrog, a grapefruit, a kiwi, and it has one of those, then it goes inside with the with the rest of the uh, the, the fruit. So you've got to be very careful when you cut that you don't cut a place where the scale is. It's hard for you for me to tell you over the phone or over the internet or whatever that how to understand what a scale is. You've got to go and look at a picture in a book or see a video or something, have somebody show you. You can walk into a, a supermarket, and in the supermarket, you could, uh, you could the, the person, would, uh, the mashkiach over there working in the supermarket would show you what a scale is if he can, and uh, then you at least have an idea what you're looking for. So that, that's, a, that's scale. You have to be careful about it. And, and if you take, you want to make zest, you want to take a fruit and you want to rub it and, and use the, the zest from the, from the fruit, you've got to make sure that the skin does not have the scales on it because otherwise you're going to be eating, eating something that's forbidden. And if it's ground up, then it's mevatel So you have trouble if you don't know what a scale looks like if you want to make zest. If you are just cutting off the, scale, the skin of the fruit, let's say an orange or a grapefruit or whatever it is. So again, you don't want on that knife any of the scales. You have to be careful to wash it off afterwards. Be careful it doesn't go into the fruit. Those are some of the concerns about scale. So let me just tell you that the fruits that I just mentioned that Rabbi Goldstein says do not have any concern. You don't have to uh, look for bugs, etc. But scale, you do have to know. So here's, here are the ones that have scale. Avocado, esrog, grapefruit, kiwi, lemon, mango, orange, pomelo, and tangerine. Basically the citrus fruits. So you have to be careful when you're, when you're handling them that you don't have any scale issues. What? Avocado also. In fact, uh, that, that's been a recent issue with avocado. Uh, also, you should know that avocado, you got to be very careful today. They say that they, you can get diseases from the outside of the avocado. That's one, one of these intestinal diseases, and it's very important to wash off well the avocado. Be careful how you cut it, because uh, people remove the skin, and they just, whatever it is. It's, uh, the, that avocado is not as uh, simple as we had once thought. Uh, don't stop eating it. It's very good, and tasty, etc., but uh, be, be concerned about it. That's at least what I have on Rabbi Goldstein's paper. Now I'm coming to the area that I really uh, don't know how to handle. <laughs> I mean, I'm here. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing the show, right? And I came, and I'm, I'm prepared. So I have to tell you, I'm very, very concerned about what, I'm gonna, what we're going to talk about now. You see, we're not getting one answer to the question of what you need to do about this and what you need to do about that. We're getting multiple answers. They were getting something contradictory information. I have here, I think I mentioned it last week, I'm not sure how much I mentioned it, but I have here three different things from Rabbi, from Rabbi uh, Vaya in Eretz Israel. One is in Hebrew and discusses, obviously, Israel. 
Then I have an English one discussing Israel, and I have an an English one discussing the USA. And the first of, first concern I had about it was the fact that the two in English say updated five seven seven nine, and one of them says USA, and the other one doesn't say USA. I think plenty of my people who are listening to me will see the one that doesn't say USA and they will not necessarily realize that they're that they're not looking at the one for the USA. In fact, to make it worse, in the area of cherries, on the one that's not from the USA, it talks about fruits that were produced in the USA. So again, I, I'm telling you, it's a little hard to deal with the fact that there's different information about the different fruits and the, um, and the two lists. I wish it were more clear, either one list and showing the differences or something that's more clear that this is talking about Israel because it doesn't say it in the other one. And this is talking about the United States of America. It should say it more openly than it's a little thing on the side. You might not see it. What's interesting is that the clean fruit list, because they have a clean fruit list also, is not as big in the in the American one as it is in the Israeli one. It seems to be longer in the... I'm sorry, maybe it's the other way around. But they're not the same anyway. They're not the same in the uh, the two lists. And that that's very confusing to me. So, for example... These we're only going to deal with the uh, with the U.S. because there's no purpose in dealing with the with Israel. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an understanding of what Rabbi Vaya said, and this is where I'm I'm a little bit lost. Um, avocado, he did not put down on the list that uh, was acceptable without any anything done to it in the United States, and uh, my, Rabbi Goldstein did. So that. That already, you know, was like something that uh, the question: Why didn't he list it? Okay, uh, I'm going to read a few of the things that he does say, and tell you my concerns, and 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 give you whatever I can about it. Rabbi Vaya would like you to. By the way, Rabbi Goldstein is not going to be listing anything about uh, what needs checking, etc. He decided that he just wants to give a list of clean foods and then the rest of it is whatever Revaya does. So Revaya says, with the almonds, there are three things. There's, there's almonds in shell, that means it hasn't been opened, and then there's shelled almonds, which means the almond was taken out, and there's chopped almonds. The chopped almonds are, are clean and not, don't worry about anything. The shelled almonds... That means that it, the shell has been removed. He wants you to check each almond on both sides for webbing, holes, or nibbling. Now, this is something that I don't think most people do. They, they just grab the whole thing up and throw it in their mouth. It doesn't take more than a few seconds. I don't think you're going to ever see anything bad uh, unless it's been really moldy. Or something. Unless it's been sitting in a place where, where it was really infested. Basically, you're not going to find this very much. They're very solid. And, and, and you have to remember that something's going to break off the end of an almond. That doesn't mean it's called 
bitten it. You know, there's a hole. You'll see you, a real hole is a hole, and 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 nibbling, you'll be able to see it. It didn't look. It's a jagged thing. It doesn't look like a break. So you have to be a little, a little bit used to looking for this kind of thing. Then in the shell, he says, as you shell each almond, you check the inside for the sticky webbing that shows you a sign that dark crumbs or worms that would show you that something was in there. Apricots is a little confusing here. The apricots, um, in, in his list of clean fruit, he tells you that the apricots, fresh and canned, have no problem. There's no problem with apricots, fresh or canned. But then when he's talking about how to check things, Rabbi Vaya says there is a concern with dried apricots, which we all know that, that that's a real issue. And what you should do is uh, you should take uh, and check it with uh, cutting it in you know, an apricot. If it's uh, these dried apricots in the hole, you have to cut it open. Try to cut it open where the uh, where the pit had been, and then hold it up to the light, and you look through on both sides. Now you should you're looking for something that's obviously in the thick part of the apricot because you, it had burrowed in. Personally, I have never seen them. Maybe they're there. Maybe I didn't check well enough, but I don't think I've ever seen them. But I've seen many many insects in the apricots themselves. And of all the insects that I find, it's the most clear that it's a worm or a maggot or whatever it's called. It's definitely not uh, a maybe. It's not, not looking for a little bit of a, you know, a, a little bit of a, something jutting out as a leg or an arm. You can see a clear worm inside. Grandson, I've mentioned it before, maybe he was six, seven. Well, I don't think he was younger, but maybe he was six or seven. He was in my house, and he's checking these, he's checking these apricots. I mean, usually a kid just grabs something, throws it in his mouth, but this boy was checking these apricots, and his mother had taught him. My daughter, <laughs> she taught him how to check it. I, th- I thought it was cute. You know, I had a kid. In the- Imagine the kid would see anything. And then he leans over to me. It was about the third apricot. He says, Zadie, this is a worm. I figured, what's he going to show it to me? Okay, let me see it. <laughs> so he hands it to me, and it's clear as the wood. It's clearly a worm. And he was trained. And this is so easy to find. They look like worms. And if you don't look for them inside the apricot, then you're fooling yourself. I don't care what it says on the papers. If they say you have to, you don't have to. I'm telling you, it's much more common than anything else I've ever come across in the whole field of, uh, of insects. So, yes, check it. Cut it in half, just check it. But you see it in one second. If you hold it up to the light, you don't have to go under a light box and this. It's they're, they're so thin, the apricots, even a thick apricot. It's so thin that a natural light or the light in the, from the from the, the, the fluorescent, fluorescent on the top above your head, you'll see right inside. And you'll, you'll see if there's anything there. It doesn't take too much to look. But make sure that there's nothing inside that, uh, they, that, that, was, that was, you know, a real bug inside, which is you could clearly, clearly see. 
Now they said uh, here when this when they sell it halved. I I don't uh, you know there are you you see I've seen peaches that are halved. I don't see the apricots sold halved. Maybe they do sell them. Be very large ones are sold that way. So the problem there is that you have a lot of folds, and and then he suggests that that you soak it in warm water and open the folds, unroll the edges, and check with through lighting. Just hold it up for a second to the light, and that's it. Uh, now, uh, avocado, we, we were talking about the scale, and you have to be careful. That's, that seems to be uh, a real issue. Now, the blueberries, uh, you know, I, I am not going to uh, be able to figure out this blueberry story. How I understand it from by Goldstein, we have concerns about blueberries, frozen and unfrozen, etc. But I'm reading from Rabbi Vaya. For what I got this year, from Rabbi Vaya himself, I mean, it comes with his name. Maybe somebody else in the family is doing it, but this comes with his name. And it says, frozen, use only frozen blueberries produced under Mahajran Hashkacha. Now, I don't know what Mahajran Hashkacha is. You'll have to decide yourself. According to this paper, it's humanly possible to get the blueberries kosher enough to you to eat in the frozen. In the fresh, it's heavily infested and difficult to check. So, According to this paper, I don't know if everyone will agree, but the frozen strawberries are acceptable if they have what you would call a mahadran hashkacha. If you want to be a little more careful, you'll skip it. You know, I want to be careful, then at least you could have to look for a super hashkacha. Cashew nuts. Now, this is also interesting to me because I'm of the opinion that cashew nuts should be checked Every one of them, not 20 minutes, not even a minute. Just break it open with your nails or whatever. Break it open and uh, and check inside if you see anything there or not. I haven't seen cashews. I don't eat them very much, but I haven't seen insects and cashews for years. This is I don't find them, but peanuts either. And peanuts are considered to be, you know, pretty good. Um yeah, I didn't read it to you, but Rabbi Vaya put peanuts as acceptable that they're clean and there's nothing wrong with them. So, I mean, I've heard people saying check peanuts, but Rabbi, Rabbi Goldstein said uh, the peanuts do not need checking. Peanuts are not mentioned on this uh, on this paper from, from Rabbi... Uh, yeah, one second, maybe it is. No, it's not mentioned on this uh, paper at all from Rabbi Vai in Israel, but, but cashew nuts is here's what he says. Check the nuts for holes or nibbling, half about 10%, and check between the halves. Well, 10%, I don't know. Uh, I, I suppose the point is that if they're infested, you'll find, see it right away. Personally, I still still suggest if you can, to open them all up, because you'll see it in with in just seconds. Without looking, you'll see if there's anything there, and if there is, then you uh, you'll have a concern. You want to be uh, the way Rabbi Yivaya is suggesting, then do about ten percent. If you find infestation, then all the nuts have to be halved and checked. Now, you should know that this is very important, and this is one of the things that separates. For all of us, there's this, there's sometimes little thin 
brown crumbs inside the cashews. They're the pieces of the shell. They're not, they're not bugs. Cherries. Now, Rabbi Goldstein gave me that cherries are no problem whatsoever. Rabbi Vaya adds in here that he would like a checking in it. Between you and I, um, at the end of the whole thing of the cherries, he says, produced in USA, usually clean. So I think you can just forget about the cherries being a concern at all, even though he has problems with some cherries. It basically, we're getting high-quality ones, but they're not all produced in the United States. We're selling them in the United States. A lot of them are coming from other countries, too. If you want to open a couple, open a couple. But I would tell you is just make sure you're getting high quality. Where they're going to enter in is where the stem is. And if you don't see anything discolored there, and you don't see anything breaking in, you don't have any concern. Chestnuts. He suggests that you take the chestnuts and you have them, make it in half, and check inside for a worm or dark crumbs, preferably before cooling or roasting. So, well, most of the people, you know, probably roasted it right away, and then it's very hard to find this bug. Uh, you wanted to have it roasted like the way as a whole, not to open it up. So, a little bit of a problem. Uh, dates. Now, the dates, dried dates, slid open, but only the way we're talking about dried dates. Uh, these fresh or frozen are usually clean. You want to go ahead and check a little bit, but uh, but it, it, as far as the uh, required checking, more on the, on the dried ones. Slit it open with a knife, remove the pit, check both sides, uh, use through lighting, which means up against some light, looking for a dark bug about two to three millimeters long. So there is an insect that does travel inside these ones, okay, or a worm usually dead and dried up. Well, that's what we used to find. We find them on in the, yes, we find them in the dates, and yes, we find them in the uh, apricots. Avoid poor quality dates, e.g. Pakistani or Algerian ones. Now, the fruit leather is interesting. I'm not familiar enough with the fruit leather to tell you <laughs> how to handle it, but they talk about two types of fruit leather, one that's sold in a package and one that's sold open. I don't know about this open one. I suppose there must be some barrel, some a box or something that they have a lot of them and you just take off three or 20 or weigh it or something. I really don't know. I'm, I don't buy it that much to know. The only ones I've ever seen are the packaged ones and uh, the packaged ones have less of an issue. But still in all, we're looking, I'll tell you what we're looking for. We're looking for a fly or an ant that's stuck on the leather. Now, if you look at these leathers, and I've looked at them, you'll see sometimes little um, brown or blackish type of thing inside the leather itself. And it's inside, not on the outside. Uh, I don't know what they are. I've never checked them. I tried to find out about it. People I spoke to had not checked them either. So you're on your own about those little things inside. If you want to take them out, call a kavod. They're, you know, they're nice size ones. And whatever they are, they're something. 
don't necessarily look like an insect, but I, you have to examine it once to see, and I don't have no idea. The, uh, the, the, what you're concerned is something stuck on the outside, which is an ant or a, a fly. Uh, it must be much more common than, than you think. Okay. I've seen it, I think. I think, I think I've seen it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure anymore. Now, grapes is where I give up. <laughs> I'll tell you what I know about grapes. And, and after that, I just have to let everybody do the best they can. I'm going to tell you everything I know about grapes. Rabbi Goldstein says the process, exactly what I've told you before, three times, three different times, you take, you make it into little clumps. You, I'm sorry, you have a big uh, bunch, uh, and you take a, a little bit off, uh, like maybe 5, 10, 15, I'll say 5 or 10 grapes, little cluster, you break it off the big cluster, and then once you've broken off, put it into water and add soap to that water, agitate slightly, let it stay there for three minutes. Don't have to agitate the whole time. Just agitate a little bit, and then let it stay there for three or four minutes. Take it out and wash those little clumps, little clusters under the faucet, and then do the whole thing again two more times. You know, it's a total of three times soaking in soap water and a total of three times washing under the faucet. That's how Rabbi Goldstein says it's not with Rabbi Vyarites. Now, again, Rabbi Vyam, it could be the other people helping him put the thing together now. Maybe I can't tell you. But, but whatever he's saying, Rabbi Vaya, it doesn't contradict what Rabbi Goldstein is telling us. And I'm going to tell you a story in just one minute. Rabbi Vaya says, you separate the tight clusters into small ones. He agrees with that. Then he says, soak in soapy water and rinse well. He doesn't require the three times. So he just requires the soaking in the soapy water and then the three t- the, then washing under the faucet. What's the difference between these two people? I'm going to tell you the story. Just recently, somebody came and he said, I found the worst grapes I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. Hundreds and hundreds of mites all over the place. So they washed it. And they did it on the faucet. And they washed it and did it on the faucet. And washed it and then the faucet. And by the time they got the third one, they got rid of all the mites. In the first two runs, they didn't get rid of all the mites. There were still mites left after they had gone through that whole first process. So what we're saying is, if you do the three times, you have protection. If you don't do the three times... And there are other people with other ideas. And some people just, just wash it well and rub it a little with your fingers because they'll, they'll take off anything that's sticking on. Just do that. If you do that, you might make it some of the times, but you might lose it some of the times. We're not checking. You and I are not going to check. So it sounds a little bit long and winded. It takes about 15 minutes total. I've done it many times. 15 minutes to do your grapes. You can have two pounds, 10 pounds. I don't care what it is. It's not going to take you more than 15 minutes. So it's not the end of the world. You know, I mean, I, how, how long it takes to cook something? All right, it's not cooking, just washing it. Okay, but it, it, it's not like, the, uh, not like a real waste of time. 15 minutes, that's the whole thing it takes. Now, if you do that, then you are secure. We feel that you're protected from the worst scenario. 
you know, when you get insurance, you're gonna have flood insurance. When you when you when you're dealing with things, you want to be 100 percent sure. So why should we just try to cut corners when we've seen? That's what Rabbi Goldstein is telling me. We've seen with our own eyes the difference between one time and two times and three times. We're not saying that they do four, four, and five, and six. I mean, we're not going to. It's an overkill. But this. But the point is, the three has legitimate backing for trying to do it this way. That's the suggestion that we have for you. Now, some of the people will give you other methods. Well, the one thing you should know, nobody's saying grapes are nothing. Now, the problem is they're small little things, and they're, they're usually mites, and they, you know, they, they, they're not so visible. Uh, they, they, they're not hiding anywhere, but they're very tiny, and you'd have to really strain yourself to see them. But you could find them. Okay, so that's the, all I can say at this point about grapes. Um, don't give them up. Grapes should not be given up, but uh, plan to do some preparation, whatever you, whatever you want. Okay, guava is scary. Now, this is uh, written by Rabbi Vaya. I mean, it's scary to me because I didn't think there was anything wrong with it when I, the, the one time when I had it. Cut the fruit into slices across and examine each slice on both sides. The worms are the same color as the fruit with a little, with a black dot at the head. <laughs> but otherwise, you won't know except that black dot, the head of this bug. Unbelievable. An alternate method is to peel the fruit and check for a small hole or a dark, uh, mushy area. Cut out this area and examine it for worms in the flesh of the fruit. So either you're going to look for his trail in him, or you're going to cut it into slices and uh, across and examine each slice on both sides, and that's it. That's the guava. Kiwi. The fruit itself is clean. On rare occasions, there might be white or brown scale insects on the peel. Interesting. Did he mention kiwi? Um, yeah, he mentioned kiwi had, had, the, had the scale on the right. Uh, take care that they did not get transferred onto the fruit during the peeling. Alternatively, rinse the fruit after peeling problem if, the, if if any of these scale got on they'll just come right off now uh the dried kiwi mango melon peach pear quince examine both sides for small insects sticking on the fruit it's good to rinse it off okay uh, it's not always convenient to rinse it off you're eating a little package and as long as you check it well you visually not going to take more than a second and you're fine. Um, I'm skipping loquat. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 if you, you know, I have to figure it out before I can tell you what, I'm, what you're supposed to do. The olives, um, the green and or black uh, blackened olives, if there's a dark stain, open the olive and check inside for a tunnel. The black olives, open and check inside for a tunnel or a worm rings spread out and check for a tunnel of worm so i don't know if they really see these things at all um a lot of fruits foods have uh, olives already in it and uh no one's going to start figuring those out but uh he has some concern with the olives 
for us here, we don't have it listed by Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Goldstein as a, a pass on it. So yes, olives are a concern. If you visually check for a, a dark stain on the outside in the green or blackened olives, and the black olives open and check inside for a tunnel or a worm. Right, so it takes a second. If you can do it, fine. I mean, if you like to eat olives straight, I don't know what to tell you. He's not giving you a pass on it. Pecans, shell pecans, check the nuts on both sides for webbing, worms, or round crumbs. Now, the persimmon, words work here, the persimmon. Remove the leaf at the top and wash well. If the fruit is unusually soft, check it inside. If there's a black stain on the peel, remove the peel at that spot and check to see if there are white maggots inside. Uh, that's really scary. Okay, inside the fruit. And next one, is he has pomegranate. Now, check for a hole in the peel uh, when taking out the seeds. Now, he's not talking about regular pomegranates that you and I buy in the store. He says only from private gardens. I don't know what he's talking about in the United States, private gardens. I don't understand where, where we have any of those. In Israel, maybe, but I don't think too many people have pomegranate gardens. Pineapple. Now, this is a very important thing. We've talked about pineapple many times, and pineapple is one of those that has made it into the record books. I think every single conscious agency took it very, very seriously, the concerns about pineapple, because the the insects are in that brown area, that, that, that the, the indentations in the pineapple and that go in also um, when you cut it into slices that sometimes you still see that brown over there inside there you would have uh, we could you could you could have uh, mites inside there so for the pineapple we cut off the peel remove all the hard brown hollow areas and rinse dried with sugar look at it on both sides for a fly or a bug that got stuck to it which I've never seen on the, on the uh, pineapple. Natural dried. I'm not even sure what that is, but natural dried means when you dried it without any sugar. Okay. Or somebody dried it without sugar. That's natural dried. Break into a few pieces and check in the small spaces in the flesh of the fruit for worms or dark round crumbs. So a couple of them you could break up. Okay. Now there's the real issue is the next one. The pineapple itself, real pineapple, in natural pineapple juice, pineapple in syrup is preferable. He doesn't say it's required, but you should look for pineapple in syrup and not in its own juice. See, pineapple juice has the problem that it might have these little uh, mites that came from the skin would be in the actual pineapple juice because where they use that skin to make the juice in some cases. and some cases, it's its own skin so that makes it even worse, and um, or at least it makes it just as bad. In any event, uh, it's pre preferable to make sure that the pineapple does, doesn't say in its own juice, or pineapple juice. If it says syrup, that's, that's sugar syrup, and it's, uh, that's what we should get. He only says here preferable, so don't, I'm not saying you can't use it. Uh, we're going on now to the citrus fruits, which we talked about before. And the main question is the uh, scale. Now, Rabbi Vaya is a proponent of straining orange juice. 
Uh, we mentioned here many, many times that Rabbi David Feinstein is the, the opinion, and he told told me personally that you do not need to do anything to orange juice. It's acceptable as it is. That doesn't mean a person can't be machmir and do it for themselves if they feel that there, are, there is possibility of insects. Obviously, a person could do it. Anyway, Rabbi Vai is one of those people who believes you should be doing straining. But as I said, Rav David, who I would consider the Paisa Kador in America, is of the opinion of Rav Feinstein that you do not have to do that at all. Um, I mentioned Rav David Feinstein, so I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, the story uh, I heard, um, I hear it on JRU probably. I'm not even sure if it was J-Root, but I, I definitely know I know who I heard it from. It could be it was J-Root. The story is about Rav David Feinstein and Ruven Feinstein. Rav David Feinstein, Ruven Feinstein showed up. I, I don't think I told the story. I don't think I told the story here on the radio. They showed up at a chasana from a gentleman by the name of uh, Shmuel. Um, Get, I'll get the last name. <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll come back to me probably. And anyway, he went to this, was at this chasana. So Rav Shmuel, so Rav David Feinstein uh, and Rav Uvein Feinstein walking in and he, he didn't invite them. So he went over to his, uh, he went over to his mechutten and he said, did you invite them? And uh, the mechutten said, I didn't invite them. But they can, I told the story here. Did I tell the story? I'm not sure. I, I, I heard the story. But yeah. I heard the yeah. story here. And there was, you heard it here, but not from me. Okay. So it was on J-Root. So, so Ruben Feinstein, David Feinstein, he said, well, I didn't invite them either, but they came. Seems that what happened was that their father, his father had done work for the yeshiva MTJ and, uh, and he was killed in a violent way, the father, and when Moshe was masked him at the Levaya, he said that as, he said that uh, as long as, uh, you know, he said as long as this family makes simchus, I'm going to come to it, because this man did for the yeshiva all the years and didn't get like, any money for it, al said. So I'm plan, I plan to go to every single simcha of this family. So Rav Uven, Rav David said to this gentleman, the truth of the matter is that uh, if, if my father, if our father said that there's a, a debt that's due from, the, from, from, from him to this, to this family, then the Feinstein family has a union of a karsatov to this family. And that's, for that reason, he, he went to, they went to all the simchas. Um, the, the, the name of the gentleman was Rabbi Shlomo Wadush, but Shlomo Wadush is not the person who had that story happen to him with his Mechutin. Now, let's just uh, go for two seconds, and we have a few minutes left. We'll go to Bishal Akum. I'm looking at a piece uh, from, wonderful piece, from, uh, on, on the Indian of, of, of Bishal Akum. And uh, it's going, I'm going to just give you a few highlights here. This, this takes, the Bishalakim is, you know, is, is involved. Uh, so, so many things question, does this need to be Bishi Israel or not be Bishi Israel? 
So the question is, something's got, there are two hat we have. One hat that we have that if something is not, uh, is, is edible raw, then there's no problem with Bishalakum. The other hat that we have is that if it's not, if it's oyle al-shulchum, if it's not, I'm sorry, it's not oyle al-shulchum malachim, it's not something that would be brought to a king's table, then we, then it's not Bishalakum. It has to be something that would be brought to the king's table. It doesn't mean to say that the king is the only one eating it. Like the foods that are sold, that's given to the White House, you know, we uh, we eat a lot of them too. Not the trafer ones, but a lot of the kosher ones we eat too. Well, you know, we have potatoes and they have potatoes and we have meat and they have meat and chicken. And so we have things. But the question is, what is called Ola Shulcham Mulachim? It has to be something Hashav. So that uh, one of the classic cases is the cereals. Is cereal Bishalakum? Or is it not bishalakim? It's cereals that are not done by a Jew in, in the processing. Is there a shayla from bishalakim? So Rav, 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 Rav Aaron Cutler Zatzal had uh, paskin that there's no problem with bishalakim on the cereals because we, we, used to, we used to use in uh, base medrash Gavoa, they would use the government cereals. I used to get cornflakes and rice krispies or whatever it is for the bachram or the yungalite. Now, Mike Belsky also, you know, and, and, and uh, the, the, the Moshe Stern, the, the Bear Moshe, the Debatsina Rov, he also paskined uh, the, that this is not considered Olel Shulcha Molochim. It's not something that's considered to be Choshev. That said, that doesn't mean there's not an Ian of Bishi Israel. There's still a, 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 an appropriate path to try to get things that are beach Israel. But it's only on things that are really are open. But something like an apple. Everybody eats apples. Forget about now. Apples. Everybody eats apples. You don't have to bake an apple or cook an apple to eat it. So if it's cooked by the goy, it doesn't mean anything. It's something like uh, of that nature, which is a, a definitely eaten raw you don't have any question about bishalakam. Tomatoes. Tomatoes are eaten raw, so therefore anything made out of tomatoes is no bishalakam. If the main ingredient is tomato, it's not a bishalakam. So that, that removes a lot of the issues. But when you get to something like uh, it's a judgment call. There's a judgment call. That when I started out before I, I even did anything in Kashrus. We would we would deal with brachos, and we were dealing with and and, and I learned from my Rebbe of Ashazim and Zatzal, his opinion was very strict regarding the issue of bishlakum. It was the one of the things that came up in those days was sardines, uh, canned fish, but sardines was one particular, and he told me he told all of us that uh, the Queen eats sardines. Once a year, on the hunt. See, the queen used to go in hunting. They they did this with a kill the fox or something like that, and they would go out in the hunt, and she wouldn't be in the in the castle, and she wouldn't eat the regular food that the chef made, and sometimes she would eat even a can of tuna. I'm sorry, a can of sardines. She ate, it, and there was a letter that I got from somebody high up in the uh, 
the government there or was workers, one of the, and they testified that the queen eats this, these sardines once a year when she's on the hunt. So therefore, we, 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 there is a question mark that some people raised that maybe it's considered Ola Shulcha Malachim. The truth of the matter is, that's not Ola Shulcha Malachim. If the king or the president eats potato chips you know, out of a bag, it doesn't mean that it became Ola Shulcha Malachim. Rabbi Moshe has a tshuva, and he, and he and he and he does. He is machmir on it. Uh, that's not. It's not a joke about the about potato chips, but but the the concept of eating something out of a bag, uh, a, a, you know, a, a cheap food like that, you'll never put it on a t- on a plate and serve it to anybody. So there there is a certain question about whether that's valid as a as a bishalakum, so bishi Israel. So 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 therefore behooves one to take a more strict stance because it's an open area. But in the thing about something that's edible raw, you don't have a problem. Now, so for example, carrots, there's not, there's no bishalakam on that. Uh, what about hummus? So hummus is, a, is an interesting one because the, the chickpeas, uh, people do eat as hummus, but it's, it's a cheap food and, and doesn't have a hashivas to it. Some of the canned vegetables, I know that Rabbi Heinemann has a concern of Bishal Akum on some of the canned vegetables because there are certain vegetables that can only be eaten cooked and they're not, they're not uh, you know, of course we have the potatoes. And, and the, there are a number of, of, of different vegetables that are only eaten cooked and therefore you have a Bishal Akum concern. But in the case of where, uh, it, in case of where people would eat it raw, um, and, and many, many, or if, even if they wouldn't eat it raw, if it's a cheap, cheap food that wouldn't cons- be considered, that would be served at a, at a festive meal, then it doesn't qualify. I know you're going to say, well, chickpeas we have at the Sholem Zohar, but that's only because Sholem Zohar is the round thing. It's not as hashivas to it at all. And even though everybody likes it and they like the, like the hummus, but, but according to uh, uh, Rabbi Belsky, and he has a document from the OU, 64-2, that uh, he holds that it's not a Shiloh from Bishalakam. We're going to stop. The time is up. And I hope this is, uh, till next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashus Magazine, wishing you a wonderful week. If you'd like to reach us during the week, you can reach us at 718-336-8544 or Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Have a wonderful week.